Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to another edition of Children of Song, the podcast that explores what it must have been like to grow up surrounded by music. For those joining us for the first time, we're speaking with musicians whose parents made it big in the music industry, or those artists who started playing and making music when they were still very young. For these artists, making music is as natural as breathing. Today's guest fits a little bit in both of these categories. He was surrounded with music at an early age. His uncle wrote two top five singles for Tracy Lawrence in the 1990s. And then our guest started playing guitar and writing music when he was just 12 years old. His brother has also been an influence and blazed an early trail to Nashville, where he's also a signed act and working to establish himself in the industry. But our guest is really influenced by classic singer-songwriters. We'll see how he's trying to meld some of that throwback storytelling with some good old modern country pop. But first, I'm Brad Newman, the producer of this series. And once again, I'll be taking on the hosting chores for what should be an interesting look at an up-and-coming artist who has the industry buzzing right now. We're bringing this to you from our podcast studios in Midtown Manhattan. Rick Buser is our engineer. And as I mentioned, our guest, he's got about everybody paying attention to him right now. He's just released his debut album, Home State, on March 23rd. His new hit, Singles You Up, is currently at number eight on the Billboard Country Music Chart. He's co-written every song on this album. His music has been described as catchy as hell, fun-loving, and delightfully infectious. And I'll tell you what, for a newcomer, he's also probably got the best beard in country music. Please welcome Jordan Davis to the podcast. Good to see you, sir. Hey, good to see y'all. Sorry, I was trying to end that one there. <laughs> so you grew up in uh, Shreveport, Louisiana, is that right? I did. Born and raised, yeah, yeah. You know, we had Dylan Scott on here a couple weeks ago, and he's quite a character. I tell you, it, it's an interesting part of the country. Shreveport, even more than where he grew up, because... You know, you've got a lot of interesting styles within a couple of, of miles in every direction there. Isn't that right? Yeah. I mean, you know, Mississippi is kind of has its blues. And, um, you know, obviously New Orleans is jazz, blues, uh, pretty much everything under the sun. Uh, and then Shreveport, you know, such a rich uh, country music history in Shreveport, you know, with the Hayride. And, uh, you know, a lot of people say that uh, – you know, Nashville would have been Shreveport uh, if it hadn't have been for, I, I want to say, and I could be lying, but I heard it was like, you know, the uh, the radio, um, the signal wasn't oh, as right. great down there. That's yeah. right. I've heard about that signal in Nashville, how they really pumped it up so yeah. they could reach everybody. Yeah. yeah. And uh, and then also, you know, touring too, like Nashville is very centrally located. But um, yeah, you know, and then, and then Texas too. I feel like Texas kind of has its way of, you know, it obviously has its own thing. But uh, you know it's it's yeah. melted into into Shreveport and uh, and 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 you know it comes over into Louisiana as well. So uh, 
but uh, yeah, it is. It's just a melting pot of, of a lot of great music. So, and we talked about you being surrounded by music growing up. Um, you know, there's your uncle there, but your dad, your dad wrote music too. Yeah, I heard he like was. He'd, you know, he'd sit around and write at the house. You know, it, it was mostly like. Uh, I'll never forget this one song he wrote, and golly, I need to stop telling the story, but it's true. Uh, he wrote this song called uh, Get Your Rusty Butt in the Bed, Boys, uh, and my sister loved it. You know, you know, we hated it, but, uh, you know, it would always, like, you know, I mean, she was young, but uh, she laughed so hard at that. Like, she thought it was so funny, and I think he knew that we hated it, but uh, but, she, but Gentry loved it, so he would always play it. But, you know, a lot of it was like that, you know, uh, you know kind of stupid songs and uh, but he did. He wrote a song called uh, Blind Boy to Baseball Game. That was the first time I really noticed uh, my dad as a talented writer. Really? You know? And, uh, you know, we had a double-A team in Shreveport called the Shreveport Captains. And um, and he would uh, he'd sit around and come up, he came up with this song. I remember him telling me that we were, you know, I'd, I'd go to every captain's game I could. And uh, there was a blind guy in front of us and uh you know i never even noticed it till we were leaving and me and my brother uh we all went that night to the game and uh, on the way back my dad said he started writing this song and uh man i hadn't played it in forever and i don't even know if i'll i saw a blind boy at a baseball game i thought to myself that seemed strange as i watched him with his face turned toward the field no way tilt his head at every sound of something said I knew what he wasn't seeing was for real And I couldn't help but watch that boy Dadgummit, now I'm messing it up <laughs> no, That's nice too But uh, I like it, very poetic I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a, I mean, it was, you know, I always say he kind of writes in poems But there was one, uh, there was one line in the song Um Man, if I can remember it. I know the line. It says, uh, you know, it, uh, he talks about, you know, he couldn't see anything, but he could probably hear the grass grow beneath the center fielder's feet. Mm. And uh, I remember when he, you know, that, that just getting goosebumps, you know, when he'd finally sit around and play that song. And uh, so that was like the first song that me and Jacob would always have Dad play, you know. Golly, I need to knock the dust off of that one. You do. I got to tell you, that'd be a, that'd be a nice uh, middle yeah. middle song in your set there, just to change See, things up. Jacob knows it. Jacob can play it. Uh, <laughs> uh, me, not so much, uh, as you could probably tell. Uh, but yeah, like you know, Dad was always he was always writing. You know, in a big. Uh, I mean, I credit a lot of you know who I kind of grew up listening to uh, because of you know what my dad listened to. I mean, I feel like you know we're all that way. You know, we're all kind of products of of our dad's music um and uh, yeah so i mean yeah my old man had a huge influence on on me as a musician and uh and also to your brother i mean we're obviously talking about jacob and he's he's gone and he's signed as well and and he's trying to to make it there this is a tough business yeah. um we're going to get to him in a second because i know he kind of led the way to nashville and you yeah. followed a few years later yeah um but let's let's talk a little bit more about um this sort of classic singer-songwriter influence. Um, your your dad, I, I heard, used to play John Prine in the truck. Yeah, that was it. I mean, the first uh, you know first time I remember hearing John Prine was going to the uh, we were going to our deer camp, and uh, it was like an hour uh, hour outside of town, and 
uh, he was playing uh, Sam Stone. Um, and I remember asking him, me and my brother used to ask him questions about the lyrics. Because, I mean, John's uh, an incredible writer, obviously. Uh, and uh, he was so, just just did a, his ability to just paint pictures. And, uh, I mean, just, it, it's like reading a story. Mm-hmm. And uh, and Sam Stone, that was the one that really stood out to me. Uh, the whole, uh, there's a hole in Daddy's Arm where all the money goes. Uh, you know, I mean, as an eight, nine-year-old kid, you don't know what that is. Uh, and your dad probably don't want to tell you what it is. But, uh, you know, I was always fascinated with that. I was, the way that, you know, not even, he had a song called Late John Garfield Blues. And I still to this day don't even know what that song's really about. Uh, but, you know, I love it. And mm-hmm. um, I think a lot of that was just the way that, the way he sang. Uh, you know, it was just kind of an honest, uh, real, you know, voice. But uh, I'll play one from John if I can. Yeah, I'd love it. I love how I'm calling him John like I met him and we're buddies. I've never met the guy in my, in my life. But I remember hearing this one the first time. Uh, I can't remember what record it was on. but uh, I am an old woman Named after my mother My old man is another Child has grown old If dreams of thunder Lightning was desire This old house burnt down A long time ago Make me an angel And fly from Montgomery Make me a poster Of an old rodeo just give me one thing that I can hold on to To believe in is a living is just a hard way to go Little Angel from Montgomery mm, That's nice I love that song, man And I, it's so funny, too Like, I never even really noticed Until, like, a recent album um or like i was listening to a live record of his uh and how he sang that song you know i am an old woman that's the first lyric to that song you know um he's obviously not an old woman but (laughs) you do a nice job like he does as well with that where you kind of um you know you you can sing at people or you can draw them in and you kind of you draw us in just like he does which is which helps i think the listener actually listen to the words that's kind of a gift i don't know if that's something that can be taught i mean i think yeah like uh, i think it's definitely you know from you know somebody told me one time that you should uh you should never try to copy your influences but you should obviously be influenced by them so like i'm never going to be able to do what john prine does i'm never going to be able to do what um the black crows do or whoever it is that you know, I'm a huge you know fan of, and, and was influenced by their music. But I can attack my my music the way I think they attack theirs, and I think the values of John Prine were honesty and just what you said, a connection with the fans and uh, and the people that listen to his music. So, although my songs might not sound like John Prine's. Uh, the core of it, I think, is still there, which I think, you know, that's the core of country music. Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
one of my most influenced songs off of the record from John Prine is Leaving New Orleans. And and I even told my co-writers that day, I was like, you know, I want this to be, like, how would John Prine write this title? I remember I came in and um, the idea for that song was actually give me New Orleans, give me back New Orleans. Uh, you can have everything else in the world, but just give me back this city. And we kind of wrestled with it for a little while. And I remember saying that, like, you know, what, what would, how would John Prine do this? Like, how would he make this really, really awesome and heartbreaking, like Sam Stone or uh, The Great Compromise or something that's, like, a really sad lyric, but, like, at the end of the song, it doesn't feel that way. Mm. And uh, that's how we, that, that's how we kind of came across Leaving New Orleans and just really getting a lot of imagery in there, you know. And that this first verse, like this is one of my first favorite first verses I've ever ever written. I miss the quarter, the magnolia was in the pot train, the French market on a Saturday. I miss the feel this place. I miss the bite of sunrise, the Mardi Gras in the second line. Bourbon jazz, sidewalk kids, and bottle cap taps, dance for tips. But I'm leaving New Orleans. It's too much of you in this town. Your memories like moss in a tree. Every corner is just hanging around. Well, big easy ain't so easy. Hard to say it, but baby, come on then. I'll be rolling like the Mississippi, leaving New Orleans. I really like that song, and it's one of my favorites on the album, uh, the new album, Home State, which is is out. You can get it everywhere, folks. It, uh, they released it uh, on March 23rd. You know, what I liked about it is is there is a sense of honesty with it. I know you didn't write it about leaving home, but it is something that every artist has to deal with at some point because yeah. they have to kind of go to a place where they can practice their art and sell their music and sell their trade. So, and there there is there's a different quality to your voice. It, it, you sort of uh, what I would describe kind of sit with it. It's a little deeper. Yeah, you know, you know with I, you. And and kind of going back to the, the the title thing, it's like that's one of the, that song's crazy to me is because like I was actually really nervous to cut that song as much as I loved it. Uh, you know, I didn't want it to be too home or New Orleans heavy, but um, but I, it it is. It's just like it could be anywhere. New Orleans could be New York. You know, New Orleans could be Minneapolis, wherever. Um, but yeah, I mean, like it's just a feeling of it, you know. I think that's uh, what what we wanted out of that song, you know. So let's go back a little bit, you know. Uh, I want to go back a little bit into your childhood. You're 12 years old, and and you finally are given a guitar. Who gives yeah. you the guitar? And um, is it something you just naturally gravitated toward? Uh, I think for a little while, like you know, early on it came in phases. You know, I remember getting it for Christmas. My dad got it for me. Uh, it was a Jay Terser. Um, Man, I don't even know where that guitar is at. Uh, I guess it's, it's probably still in my dad's house. I was never big on learning cover songs. And still to this day, like, I don't learn a lot of cover songs. Uh, you know, we do, like, I know a lot of John Prine songs just because, like, his songs really aren't that hard. 
you know, it's kind of the same chords. He just does a really cool picking pattern on a lot of them and can change them up. But like, and I've just listened to him so many times. He's the only one that I can just kind of figure out what he's doing. <laughs> and, uh, but like, you know, I think guitar playing for me was, it was, it was in waves. So like, I remember right when I got it, I was like obsessed with it. And uh, I'd usually play until I broke a string. And I didn't know how to change strings. So until my dad changed the string, or until I had a buddy of mine that came over and like knew how to do it, uh, I'd, I'd, I'd put it down. Right. Um, but yeah, like, you know, through high school, I think was the first time I wrote a song. I wrote a song about my buddy that uh, would stay in and watch the Yankees games all the time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Sounds a little bit like your dad. You'd almost write these songs to kind of urge someone out of the house right. to yeah, come yeah, hang yeah. with you. He wanted to urge you to bed, right. so he wrote a song about That's it. Yeah, yeah. the two kids to bed. Me going to bed, my buddy going out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> this but, is uh, a theme I see in some of your music <laughs> as well. <laughs> but yeah, like you know, I just kind of you know just started messing around with that, and then you know, college came and I, and I still didn't mess with it. I brought it to college with me. And then when my brother started playing, um, you know, the college scene in Baton Rouge, and uh, I picked it back up and started writing again. And uh, so yeah, it was just kind of it. It's it just always been there. I mean, it was you know it was just you know um, it was kind of like music to us. Like uh, I always say that you know I never realized how much music was around us until like I got around you know other friends of mine that were like, dude, you had not heard that guy. You don't know who John Prine is. Right. Well, you don't know who like Chris Christopherson is, or um, you know, and, and it's just kind of we're just a musical family. You know? Was there an early song when you got to college, or even before that, um, you know, maybe isn't something that is complete in your mind right now, but it was something that gave you a sense that that there was there was a potential there, that there was a glimmer of what the future was going to be for you. Uh. Not until uh, until I I actually had already graduated and uh, and I started kind of trying to write more serious songs. I remember uh, I'd sent and actually how the whole Nashville thing started. Jacob had already moved to town, and I had sent a half written song to uh, to one of his uh, a guy that works in the music business in Nashville, and. Uh, he, he and Jacob played it for him. I didn't even send it to him. I just sent it to my brother, and it was like a verse course of a song um, that I'd started called "Runaway Road." And uh, the, him hearing that was enough for him to be like, "Hey, man, you know, I can't promise you anything, but I at least like you know you know how to write a song, you know." And uh, and he uh, he kind of urged me to, to to move to Nashville. Um, Man, I wish for the life of me I could remember that. I remember I was driving uh, down a highway in Baton Rouge. I was working for this uh, for a buddy of mine that owned an environmental group, and um, I had this idea called Runaway Road. And I went home and I must have passed six city limit signs. I can't see. That gummit. <laughs> That's all right. I've written a lot of songs. <laughs> you know, I love the early stuff. There's something about it. I've I've had the treat, and I always 
poke there because I want to I want to hear those early songs because I want to see where that early influence yeah. came. And sometimes I got to tell you, people leave them for a long period of time and yeah. they'll surprise you yeah. when they go back to them. I mean, I think it even surprises themselves. There, there, there was something there. I mean, even listening to like old demos, you know, where I'm like, you know, and I'm by no means like a, you know, master songwriter by any means, but like, it's cool to kind of see like yourself grow. Like, you know, like I, I became such a better songwriter in the last three years, I think, from just writing really bad songs, you know, but, um, and listening to a lot of music too, like that, that's been pretty big, you know, for me, just like really diving into, you know, going back and listening to those guys, like, you know, stay, continuing to listen to, to Christopherson, Don Williams and Prine and those guys, uh, I don't know, at least for me, it feels like I'll never get too far away from what made me fall in love with songwriting. You know? So you, you write this song, this early song, Runaway Road, and they uh, urge you to come up to Nashville. So in 2012, you, you moved to that fantastic city, which I actually yeah. love. It's sort of home away from home for me. I've been down there a few times with this series, and I got to tell you, I love that town. Yeah. Um, it's got a real special quality to it. Um, yeah. And some really great, great people. Um, you get to town, but it's not easy. I mean, you got every single kid coming off the bus. Every other one has a, has a guitar case in their hands. Yeah. So there's a lot of competition out there. And you were writing by day, but at night, you know, how, how were you paying the bills? I was a bartender. Yeah, I worked at this place uh, a little east of town called Ellendale's. And, uh, you know, one of the coolest things about Nashville and, and, and there being so many uh, – dreamers if you will you know um is that you can find a lot of them in the service industry so like half of my restaurant the the restaurant i worked at was writers you know artists uh people trying to do something with music um you know and and again i was lucky to have jacob there and and he already had some contacts kind of made and so like i kind of moved i moved to town and and right off the bat started co-writing and um which helped me a ton because I was writing with people that I probably shouldn't have been writing with. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so, you know, I became a better writer through there, but then you, you you know, you do, you have to find your, um, I guess you could say find your lane and that like, I mean, just like anybody, you know, or just any artist, I think you got to find what a, you want to say, and you got to say it a different way that nobody else has said it before. And, um, and something that sets you apart. Um, one of the things for me, is uh, once I got to high school, I, I did, man. I fell in love with like R and B music. I fell mm -hmm. in love with rap, and uh, and you know, a huge Usher fan. Usher was a huge influence on 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 my writing. Still is, um, you know. And again, that kind of goes back to like, I probably don't sound anything like Usher, or none of my songs are, are technically like Usher's. But like, you know, when it comes to uh, you know, with with me, it's phrasing. Uh, yeah, there's a real rhythm. Yeah, there's a real rhythm. I, I wondered. I've I've sat with some artists, and they'll say, "Well, they've written songs with like a, a beatbox or something in the background with it." And I remember it was Cody Johnson was in here, and he was saying how, you know, he had his songwriter says, "Yeah, we're going to use this." And he's like, "Oh, I really don't. I really don't want to do that." Like yeah. he really resisted it, and then he fell into it, and he's it ended up being a good experience for him. Yeah. But there is a real rhythm in your music, and 
three years go by, but you do catch that break. Yeah. And and I think one of the reasons why is you realize that more than just a songwriter, you were an artist. Yeah. You, were, you, you wrote the best songs for you. Right. Like it was, you, you've admitted that, you know, you couldn't really write for a Garth Brooks yeah. or it, 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 that wasn't something that was your skill set. Well, and, I, it, it, and it came back to a meeting. I took a meeting one time in, in, in Nashville. Uh, it was a publisher and, and uh, I was told that I put too many words in my songs. <laughs> and... But again, you know, that, that's like, that's what I feel like made me sound different, you know, and, and made me unique. And so I did. I stopped. I started trying to write a, a little straighter, and I felt like it sounded like everybody else's, you know. And it wasn't me, so it wasn't as good as everybody else's. You know, it was like me. Um, Imitating almost karaoke, yeah, songwriting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Right. And. It was like the worst. Like I just didn't enjoy writing like that, and uh, and I went back to the way that I was writing, even to like, um, and you know, slow dance in the parking lot's the perfect example of that. Like uh, when we started writing that song, that's all I had right there on the guitar with those three chords, and I knew that, there, and I loved the spacing on that. And I was like, man, there, there's a verse melody in there, and I sat down with a buddy of mine, Lonnie Fowler. And after we had zeroed in on like what we were writing that day, uh, which was slow dance, you know, story about him and his wife coming home, and uh, them seriously dancing in a Walmart parking lot to Garth Brooks, and I was like, "Well, dude, I've been doing this for like the last week, and I don't know how. I don't, I, there's something there, and I feel like that's really, really cool." And and I had that melody. <laughs> And he was just like, man, that's cool, but what if it's... And I remember Lonnie trying to kind of slow it down. Like, and I was like, man, I don't know, dude. Like, if, if I feel like if we roll it a little quicker, and that was the first thing that came... The lights go down and the wheels go around, I'm taking you home. Hoping for a slow song to come on the radio now. I'm not ready to shut it down away in the dashboard glow. And he was saying that I remember Lonnie being like, dude, are you even gonna be able to breathe in between those? Yeah. <laughs> and uh But like for me that was always like the like the thing that kinda set it apart is is uh you know, a, a verse that um was kinda tough to sing, you know, like uh, and I feel like that's one of the cool things about slow dance is, is the phrasing of it. And, uh, you know, now I don't play it that same way. I play it a little different. But, like, it's the same, you know, it's that same kind of just melodic kind of kind of roll, you know. And uh, and I feel like the more, you know, a, song, a song's a story. Mm-hmm. If I give you 85 words or if I give you 160 words, I can tell you more with the 160 words. Absolutely. And the picture's going to be better. And in my opinion, the song's going to be better. So the more words I can get in there, the more that me and you can have a conversation through music. Sure. So I think that's one of, that's one reason why I just I like a bunch of words. <laughs> that's a sweet song, too. Can I hear a little bit more of that? Yeah, yeah absolutely. I used to play it the, the way I wrote it, and uh, I would always mess it up. So now I found an easier way to play it. Lights go down, 
wheels go around, I'm taking you home Hoping for a slow song to come on the radio now I'm not ready to shut it down the way the dashboard glow Sitting in your eyes making me lose everything It's on my mind and the only thing I want to do is find a spot Stop this car and throw it in park and just slow down with you spinning you around by the Walmart sign and moving our feet over the painted white lines, get close to you, making the most of whatever we got, even if it's just a slow dance in a parking lot. You're listening to Children of Song. I'm Brad Newman, and today's guest, we have the up and coming country music star, Jordan Davis. So, you know, it's interesting. You kind of catch your stride there. Um, you have, I think it was a singer-songwriter contract first that came up for you in 2015, yeah. and then the label came calling the next year. Yeah. Um, and really kind of what got everybody excited while you were kind of figuring out what this album was going to be about is you're trying to figure out your voice. You, uh, you have some buddies over, and I think you're engaged at the time, and you come up with this uh, Singles You Up song, which yeah. is... It was a lot of fun. Well, actually, I, uh, so I wasn't, I was actually, uh, I was in a relationship, but one of my co-writers was engaged. Oh, okay. So it was kind of through him uh, that this, that the idea was born. <laughs> uh, and it was, man. We were messing with him about, um, you know, how how we usually outkick our coverage, us guys. And uh, and we, you know, we told him we were, he was smart not to single her up. You know, he's, he's got a great now wife. And, um, you know, and I had never heard that term before. Uh, and right after it got said, we kind of just looked at each other like, oh, man, we should write that. And we started it. And, and again, too, a lot of the uh, a lot of how, like, to me, the hardest part of, of songwriting is figuring out how to, like, correctly write the title. Because I can't tell you how many times I've had a killer hook or, like, a killer idea and I've written it wrong, hmm. and you can't ever get those back. And uh, this was one that we started writing a, a, a way that uh, you know was kind of like this this sweet song about you never want you want to get a good girl and you never want to single her up, and it just felt weird. And uh, and then I remember saying like let's flip it around and let's write it like me in college where I'd see a girl and if she was already taken, I'd just sit back and wait for, <laughs> wait for him to single her up. And then I would try to make my move, you know? Right. But, um, but it was man. And, and this is actually the last song on the record that was written for the record. Uh, but, um, yeah, we wrote it in probably two hours wow. and, uh, and you know, I got the demo back and, uh, I knew that it was it was pretty special, and uh, it has. It's been a been a great song for me. But uh, I'll play a little bit of that for y'all if you want. I ain't heard you laugh like that in a long time. I wonder if it stopped to the world like it did mine just now. I see you sipping white wine instead of whiskey Cause I want you to be just a little more city Well, I'm sorry if I'm overstepping 
Boundaries I don't mean to be, but I've just got to tell you how I feel. P.F. singles you up if he's ever stupid enough. I'm gonna be the first one that's calling you baby. And if he ain't holding you tight, if he ain't treating you right, I'm gonna be the first one that's calling him crazy. Girl, it's just a matter of time until you find that the right guy staring you back into your eyes right now. No rush, but if he ever singles you up. I think that is a really good example also of, of the sort of rhythm we were talking about yeah, yeah. and then sort of the blending of styles. I, I think uh, at first blush, when you listen to that and hear especially close without, you know, any of the other instruments, yeah. I wouldn't necessarily pin that to be a country music song. Yeah. No, I mean, you know? it's, it's, it's really, I mean, it's not. like, And, like, you know, I, it's one of those things where it's like, it, it depends, I think, on... I guess the eye of of what you view it as, like to me, uh, it doesn't sound anything like a country music song, but it depends on kind of what's country to you. Well, you know? there, like, there, there's qualities to it, yeah, you know, yeah. the idea, the, the storytelling, but it has yeah. also a very kind of hip um, kind of vibe to it as well. That's very cool and doesn't you could you could see another artist covering that that's not near the country music genre. Oh and they, right, it could be a, a top forty hit yeah. easy. Yeah, I mean like. You know, I think that goes back into, you know, like I said with Usher, or even just with rap in general. It's like, you know, you you know, music is. Um, I, I can remember hearing songs and playing notes, and trying to get as many words into that chord structure as I can, and uh, and that's just the R and B influence. Like, you know, even down to like syllables. I can remember counting how many, like playing an Usher song acoustic, and almost counting how many syllables he got into that song with an acoustic guitar, which then I was like, okay, well, that is possible. Like, <laughs> I can get that many words, and if I play that, I should have got 13 words, so I should be able to get 13 words, you know, and, like, you know, however, like, I mix the chords up. Um, so I think that's, you know, that's kind of like with the singles. Yeah, but, girl, it's just a matter of time until you find that the right guy staring you back into your eyes, right? Um, now, granted, I know a lot of people can't sing it like that, but like, um, luckily enough, like, I guess through all my years of uh, singing R and B songs, I've I've trained myself to be able to get a lot of lot of words out quick. Well, it's another point too that I mean, this isn't these aren't songs for just anybody to sing. You kind of yeah. you're creating them, and it, it kind of fits in your sweet spot. So this is you're kind of the only guy that can drive this vehicle. Yeah. I mean, no, absolutely. And, and I mean, that's the way, I, you know, that's the way I want it to be. You know, like these are, uh, I mean, all these songs, you know, Take It From Me. Um, I mean, that's me, you know. I mean, I put a record out of songs that I would sing that I obviously I wrote. And uh, and I'm happy about all of them, you know. And, uh, and I don't want to just limit it to, I mean, as much as I love country music, like, you know, why limit it to just what, country music people would listen to. Sure. You know? I love the fact that I can go to California and, and play these songs and people that come up to me after a show and be like, hey man, I really don't like country music, but I like your songs. Like, <laughs> you know, and everybody, you know, and that's like the best, I mean, to me, that's like the best feeling in the world, you know? Well, we do like to fit everybody in a nice, sweet little box, right? We yeah. like to put you 
categorize you. It helps us understand it. We don't right. necessarily, as much as we say we're open, we don't like a lot of individual like we don't know where to place you and yeah. and for your own good if you want to sell music you better get in a box yeah, yeah. um or choose one anyone right. you know um you know it, it's funny we talked very little bit about it at the beginning but you know what makes you also distinct is you have a distinct look you've got this 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 crazy beard yeah. you know um when did you start working on this because it, it, it's funny i mean it fits yeah. you but it's 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 unique I mean, you know, I've always had like a since I could grow facial hair, like I've always been a beard guy. Really? Uh, obviously, never this big, but um, you know, I kind of just got. Um, I really after I signed my publishing deal, I didn't have to shave anymore because you know I was bartending, so I had to kind of keep a presentable look. <laughs> Not that this isn't presentable, sure. but uh, now you keep it well groomed. Yeah, yeah. But it's uh, bushy. Yeah, it's a, I mean, it's a big beard. Uh, the interesting thing is I'm sitting there trying to look up your brother, you know, because I'm doing all this research on you, and I'm yeah. thinking, like, you know, I'm going to check out Jacob, you know, and I'm I'm expecting to see another lumberjack <laughs> type of guy. Oh, man, he's all-American as it gets. <laughs> I mean, it's about as fresh-faced as you get. Yeah. And then I was wondering, you know, is the beard come out of – you know, not that there's sibling rivalry between you two, but it's a way of actually distinguishing how, how far apart could, you could be, you know? I mean, I think we're at a time now, you know, when um, there's so much music out there and it and you don't have to just put, you know, it doesn't have to just be from Nashville, L.A. or New York. I mean, anybody in the world can throw songs up anywhere, you know, and um, I think you I think you better distinguish yourself. And, you know, and I think it's the entire package. So, like, uh, by no means did I move to Nashville and say, like, hey, I'm going to grow a big beard and try to get a record deal. Um, it kind of just happened. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, now that it has happened, it's like, yeah, like, that's the beard guy. And I love that because, you know, in my opinion, with so much music being out there, uh, you know, one song's not going to do it. So if, if one person looks at me and he's like, wow, that guy's got a crazy beard, what's his story? And turns the radio on and hears one of my songs or goes to Spotify and listens to my songs. I mean, that's a win for me, you know? And if 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 it's the beard that pulled him in, hey, they heard my music, you know? So um, I don't know if that's actually worked. I mean, I'm just saying, like, you know, but, Whatever it takes, right? Yeah, I, mean, I mean, seriously. Just setting yourself apart. You yeah. Know? No, I get it. Hey, listen, man. I can get everybody on this planet to subscribe to this podcast. I would. Yeah, man. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you got an art, you want people to hear it. Uh, you know, however many people you can get to to listen to it. Uh, kind of whatever you got to do. Uh, you know, I'll take it. Hey, so listen, as we go out, I'd love to hear uh, a little bit of uh, Take It From Me. What I loved about this song is um, I, I can only imagine this is a huge crowd pleaser because if there's ever a, a song that it gives you that kind of kick-it-off quality, it's it. And even though we're ending, I still think we should end on a high note. So. Well, no, I mean, you know, this is another one, too, that, like, uh, this song is the first on the record because this is one of my favorite, and uh, I think... As crazy as it is to sound, because it, you wouldn't think of this as like a songwriter song. This is one of my, my the proudest, most proud I am of this song, songwriting wise, uh, because it is up, it, it is upbeat, it is a fun crowd pleasing song. But everybody in the world has been in this song. Like this song is the honeymoon phase of dating somebody, where you are one hundred percent in. 
Yeah. And it doesn't matter what she does or whoever does. It is you are you could care less. You're in it. You can have everything you want. And um and that line, there's a line in the course, you know, take it from me if you want a t-shirt to sleep in. It's my favorite, but you can keep it. It's like, hey, how many times, you know, I know with me, like my mom would kill me for saying this, but like girlfriends run off my shirt they all the time. Like, you know, just wreck my drawer of t-shirts. And to me, that's an honest lyric, you know? Like, oh, yeah. I mean, so uh, to me, the, yeah, this is this is one of my favorite lyrics. But, yeah, I'd love to uh, play this one for y'all. So, uh, but why I started that story. I felt like this was a great introduction to the record, uh, which is why it is song number one there. But yeah, this is Take It From Me. I think me and you should blow this off so much for the after party. Let's tell everybody we got lost. I think me and should do our own thing our own way in my place one way take it from me if you want a t-shirt to sleep in it's my favorite but you can keep it it looks good baby you should leave it hanging off your shoulder give me them bare feet dancing down the hall smiling at me running your finger down the wall you know what i want and i got what you need so take it from me Take it from me Now you can steal a kiss Or call you a thief But take it from me What I got to give Now you can have for free But take it from me Yeah, Take it from me If you want a t-shirt to sleep in It's my favorite but you can keep it It looks good baby You should leave it hanging off your shoulder And give me them bare feet Dancing down the hall Smiling at me Running your finger down the wall you know what I want and I got what you need So take it from me, yeah Baby, take it from me I'll just take it from me, yeah Jordan Davis, his debut album, Home State, is available on iTunes and everywhere else. It's got the industry buzzing and uh, something definitely you should check out. Jordan, thank you so much for stopping by. appreciate it. I appreciate you having me, Brad. Thank you, man. Before we let you go, we want to welcome you to the B-Side. Here's a chance for us to give you a little bonus track and have some fun. In this case, here's Jordan talking about life on the road and the first time he heard the audience singing right back at him. An exhilarating but disconcerting experience to say the least. Once again, here's Jordan Davis. Do you like the road? Do you enjoy it? I do. I love it, man. It's um, bringing the music to the people. It's yeah. kind of a young person's game, though. I mean, I think it is fun for the next five, six years. It's after that. It's going to be interesting for oh, you. Oh, gosh. I can only imagine. I mean, it's rough right now. You know, we travel a ton. I mean, we've been in, I, mean, I want to say, you know, four or five different states in the last week. Uh, you know, but, um, I mean, you, that's a pre-worker. You know, if you don't, if you want to be a musician and want to be at home every night, this this ain't for you. I'm sorry, you know. Um, you know, maybe you can stay in Nashville and, and just do studio stuff, but, like, and that's the dream gig. But, uh, yeah, as far as singing and being out, like, uh, it's it's grueling, but I love it, man. I wouldn't trade it for anything. 
What was it like the first time you were you were singing a song, something that meant a lot to you, uh, maybe more than people in the audience realized, and you saw them singing it back at you? Uh, you know, we get a lot of sing back on Singles You Up, and uh, it's awesome. Like, I love to see that song connecting with people. But uh, when I started in, when we released Leaving New Orleans, it was out for like a week, and we played a show in Detroit, and I could have stopped singing that chorus. I mean, the whole room uh, was chanting it back. And it'll make you forget lyrics. It really will. Like, uh, it just kind of, I think just because it kind of shocks you. To have a song like that that means so much to me uh, and be so tied to my home state and to go about as north as you can to Michigan and have them have a room of three, four hundred people sing it back to me. That was like a that was a that was a big like whoa, and just like you know mentally you're just like holy smokes like this music really is connecting with people you know, and um, man that that was a that was an unbelievable moment. You see the power of music then. I mean that's you, it. I mean yeah. that that like as a songwriter that is that's the uh, those are the gold moments like that. Well, I'll remember that for a long time. Appreciate it, Jordan. Thank you. Thank you so much. Next up, Cherish Lee is in the house. That's right, Johnny Lee's daughter just recently released her debut album, and you'll hear her sing the title track, Tequila Cowgirl, on the next Children of Song, the podcast that combines live music with great storytelling. Till next time, I'm Brad Newman. Thanks for listening. Cudlow on Fox Business is now on the go for podcast fans. Get key interviews with the biggest business newsmakers of the day. The Cudlow Podcast will be available on the go after the show every weekday at foxbusinesspodcasts.com or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.